Now, you have a handout in front of you. I'd like to take this out for a few moments. Uh, and the area that we want to talk about both today and uh, over the next couple of months is called Leadership Axioms. Leadership Axioms, it's a small book from Bill Hybels, pastor of Willow Creek Community Church uh, in Barrington, Illinois. And uh, he does uh, leadership talks, conferences all around the world. And he put together this book that has just some little, like, nuggets of leadership axioms that uh, allow you to take the things that you believe, your leadership principles, and then narrow them down into, like, bite-sized chunks. Uh, Growing up, I liked Hershey bars. And uh, when you go to the store and you bought a Hershey bar, the Hershey bar was probably, what, about this long or so? And and so you had that Hershey bar, and, and you're trying to eat it, and sometimes you weren't real hungry, but as the longer it sat there, it just started melting on you and everything. And so you said, if I could just have some like little bite-sized chunks, you know, something like this, right? This, these little things. And, and when you get these little things here, and this is not a giveaway. These are mine. I'm going to have them for dessert. Uh, but I love you. Oh, uh, you may get them. I may give them to you, okay? But we've got these right here, and they're just like little bite-sized chunks. It's exactly what you need. And so that's what these axioms are. They're bite-sized chunks of leadership that as you take these, you can best communicate them to your organization and your people can grasp them and maybe even work these into the conversation into your business. Today, we're going to give you 10. Even if you walk out of here with one axiom that you say, yeah, I like that. I think we can capture that and use that in our operation. Then this has been a success. Are you ready? Here we go. Number one is what's called the three C's. The three C's, and that's character, competency, and chemistry. So we're going to start this with talking to you about some things about hiring people. The most important decisions that you'll ever make as you come into an organization is who you hire. Who do you bring on to be a part of your team? People will give you long list of things to look for. We can narrow it down to these three. Character, competency, and chemistry are three of the most important. The very first one, character. Character is the most important And you cannot determine a person's character in 15 minutes. So what you're going to need, you need to do your due diligence to find out if they've got a proven track record of being a truth teller, a covenant keeper, one who manages relationships correctly, one who when when a team gets the victory, they give credit to who deserves credit. Uh, And you just look for those type of things. And it takes some time and due diligence to understand their character. And if you mess up in character then it means that over a number of weeks, months, and years, you'll constantly be hearing clean up on aisle nine or clean up on aisle four because a person of bad character has sort of infused the organization. So you want to have a person of good character. It's the first thing you look for. But second of all is competence. And when you look at competency, uh, that is a person who's good at what he does. Now, he or she, when you're looking for that right person and you put together a job description and you think of this is the name I need to go with, then that's who you want to to go after. There's a statement that you've got on your handout, and it says this, and that's when you find the perfect person to fill a particular role, persistence is often the key, all right? Persistence is often the key. What do I mean by that? I mean that when you find the perfect person that you think needs to fill that role, and you go to them and you say, I would love for you to join our team, if they say no, do you stop? Not unless you feel that God has closed the door on that. You just keep being persistent. Now, I hate that Michael Adler's not here. Um, he and Linda are out of town this week. 
He's our worship pastor. And um, uh, when I became pastor here, uh, there was a man, Aubrey Edwards, who was, had been leading music here for a little over 20 years. And we served together for about three years. And then Aubrey was going to retire, had health difficulties and was going to retire. So in July, he told me, I will retire at the end of the year. I said, is it okay if I begin to start looking for someone to replace? He says, yes, for sure. You go ahead and do that. So I began to try to figure out. Who could come in to a place like this church and then take way we were handling music and take it in a little bit different direction and, and make some of those shifts and be able to pull that off? So I called two people that I respected uh, that were ministers of music. And when I called them, they told me the same thing. The first one said, I know what you're talking about. Not many people can do that. There's only one guy that can do it. His name's Michael Adler. And the other thing is he'll never leave where he is now. Okay, thank you. So I called the second one, and they said, here's what I'm looking for. Who can come in and do something like that and, and, and take that existing church and, and move in this direction uh, in, in, a, in a timely manner? So, oh, there's only one guy that can do that. I said, who is that? I said, Michael Adler. I said, oh, I heard that name before. He said, but I got to tell you something else. He'll never leave where he is. Uh, I heard that before. All right, so now what do you do? There's a job description. There's something you've prayed about, and there it is. And everybody says there's only one guy that can do this. But then they've also said, Ah, but he won't, he won't come. So I said, well, look into that. Uh, so I contacted him. And uh, what I did was I went online and ordered one of their CDs of what their church had put together on music. I put it in my car, played it in the car. I was listening to it. I drove to my house, garage door open, got out of my car, closed garage door, walked in the kitchen. My lovely wife is making dinner. I said, I just found our next minister of music. I said, this is incredible. It's exactly what I want. He's got everything I need. Have you talked to him? No, honey. I hadn't talked to him, but he is the guy. He is the guy. So I played it for her. She said, oh, I like that. I like that. Oh, man, this is, this is great. So I called him. Nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. And he says, I'm not interested in leaving. I said, well, I understand that, but could I just come to San Antonio? That's where he lived. Could I just come to San Antonio and, and just to meet with you? He said, well, I'm not going anywhere. So, oh, that's okay. You can just help me in the search if need be. But let me just come and, and, and meet you. I come, we meet, we talk. Month goes by, contact him again. And he said, you know, I really don't think I'm going to Well, man, I tell you, I just, I really feel this is the right thing to do. And we talk about some stuff, talk about philosophy, talk about this and that. And finally, in November, he... Uh, comes out here with his family, just take a look at some things. And then in December, I get the greatest Christmas gift I could get. Get an email from Michael, said, we prayed about it. We feel God's leading us to come here to Shades Mountain Baptist. Oh, man, I was so thrilled. And I said, it looks like in January is when uh, he's going to be able to step away from his church. He's going to come here. I began to let the word get out, told the choir, we got someone coming in. They're coming in in January. You're going to get to meet them. And, and I'm all pumped and I'm excited. And on about the third week in January, just about a week or so before he's getting ready to come, and I'm coaching my daughter's upward basketball team, I get a phone call two hours before tip-off, and it's Michael. And he says, we've changed our mind. We're not coming. Yeah, I did the same thing. Uh, except, see, I'm a pastor. I got to sound spiritual. So mine had to be, hmm, you know. Yours was, and a few other words. But uh, so... So he tells me that, and I'm just kind of hit with that. And I said, well, I can't talk long. i got to go to a basketball game. Boy, was that a rough time. I, I wanted to pull a Bobby Knight. I wanted to throw chairs. I wanted to be. I was hot as could be. I was upset. I said, this cannot be. This cannot be. I just know this is the perfect position. This is the guy that can do it. And, uh, and I got back with him. And I said, you know, I respect all that. And I said, but you know what? I just feel this is 
this is where you're supposed to be. So um, I'm just going to keep giving you time. And, um, and I'm really not looking anywhere else. So um, <clears throat> I just keep praying for it. Let's just keep in touch. People would come up to me and they'd say, hey, so who are we looking for now for minister of worship? Who, who, who are you looking at? I said, I've already got him. And I said, who? Uh, I said, well, you know, the guy that told me no. Uh, and I said, but I, said, but, I but he's the guy. So I'm not, I'm not really going to look anywhere else. And they'd send me resumes and stuff. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm not looking. And uh, middle of February, I get an email from Michael. I thought I'd saved it. We changed computers so much, it must have got lost on there. It was the greatest email. Starting out with just a little stuff here, talking about life and everything. In the middle of a paragraph, one sentence, well, if you'd have us, we'd like to come. And then he added other words. So I had to reread that thing, and I said, he's coming. I got right back with him. and said, I got you a date. We can get you here first week of March. Bring, come on and show up. He and the family came first of March. First of April was they were voted on the first of April, and they've been here uh, 15 and a half years. What we say on that is on competency, when you find the right person, you want to be persistent, okay? Now, don't, when God closes the door, then you move on. But be persistent as long as you feel like that's where you need to go. Number three uh, is this chemistry. Uh, the third part is chemistry. And with chemistry, it is this, trust your gut. Chemistry is trust your gut. I remember some research I had done with CEOs, and they said that that's the number one thing they look at is chemistry. Believe it or not, out of everything else, they look at chemistry. I think you need character competency, but chemistry, that is, does the person fit with you and does he fit with your team? He or she, when you meet them, and you'll know it. If you meet with someone and the first couple times you meet with them, there's just this uneasiness, you're just not real certain, trust your gut. That's not going to work out. There has to be that chemistry. They've got to what we call G and Hall. They've got a G and Hall with you, and they've got to be able to do that with your staff. Okay? Number two is this. Higher tens. Higher tens. Remember, people would rank people from a one to a ten, and they said on a scale of one to ten, you want to hire tens. Now, here's, here's the leadership principle you need to understand. You can always attract people that are equal or lower than you are on the leadership effectiveness scale. But rarely can you recruit and retain people that are above your leadership scale. See if that makes sense. Hold on just a second. If you looked at your own leadership scale and you said, you know what, I think I'm about a 7 or an 8, you will rarely, if ever, get a 9 or a 10 to come work for you, okay? Because you will usually not go above your scale. You'll either get a seven or an eight, and that's what you want to go after. Go after the one that, that you aim for the highest. So when I say hire a 10, that would be if you're a 10, hire a 10. If you're an eight, hire an eight. If you're a six, hire a six, and go for that. What happens is, let's say you're a seven or an eight, and there's an opening. Sometimes our first response is to find the first warm body that looks friendly and say, hey, why don't you come and be a part of our organization? Let's say you're a seven or eight and you bring in someone who's like a five. Well, all of a sudden you brought this five in. When you bring a five in, it is an ego stroke because they're so amazed you're such a great leader because they're not really strong in leadership. And they're easy to manage, not a lot of stress uh, over here, and they're malleable and all of this. But fives attract fives and fours. And so as they began to bring people in to the organization, all of a sudden this organization that was built with eights and sevens is now filled with fives and fours. And so all of a sudden your organization is not able to accomplish the things that it should have. 
So what you want to do is to say, uh, I, I want to find people that are top leaders, eights and sevens in there. Now, here's two things to take off of there. Number one, be diligent in raising your own leadership level. This is for all of us. If you're a five, raise it to a six. If you're an eight, raise it to a nine. If you're a nine, raise it to a 10. There always needs to be that development. So you want to raise that leadership level. Number two is this, shoot high when someone needs to be added to the team. Shoot high when someone needs to be added to the team. And so with every recruit you invite into the game, you're gradually desiring to upgrade your leadership. So just think about that. If you're an eight, seven, seven, eight leader over here and you hire someone who's like a, a, a seven or so, that, that's good. And y'all work together and over a year, all of a sudden, you, this person seven's become an eight and you've become, let's say, maybe even a nine. Then the next people you hire, well, who, what are you going to get now? We got maybe eights and nines coming in. And so it just keeps building your leadership, okay? Make sense? Let's go for that. Number three, never say someone's no for them. Never say someone's no for them. And this is, goes back to Michael. When you review a job description and you come up with a perfect person for the job, don't start talking yourself out of approaching that person. Now, oftentimes, you'll say, oh, I know just the right person that would take this job. But you know what? They'd have to take a pay cut. They'd have to move from some exotic place to Birmingham. And who would not want to live here in Birmingham but just for just for thinking that people are crazy and don't want to live here. Uh, you know, they've got to move. They're, maybe they're close to their family and they're on the other side of the country. And you began to come up with all these excuses why they wouldn't go and you just said no for them. Don't ever say no for someone else. Let them be the one to say no to you. Make the ask. And nothing's ever lost by leaving room for a surprising and a supernatural emergence of a yes, okay? So I put down here, approach your wish list people. Approach your wish list people. If there's someone you think could fit well in the organization, you go for it. Let them tell you no. Don't say no for them. As I told you, two people gave me Michael's name, and both people said, but there's no way he'll ever come. I could have just written that off and said, okay, I'll never ask him. But I took a chance. He was my wish list person, and it worked out. Make them tell you a no. And some of you could probably stand up and you've got some, some amazing surprises of people that have joined your organization that you said, I thought I had no shot at this person ever coming over here. But I asked and unbelievably they came, okay? Number four, DNA carriers, DNA carriers. What I mean by that is every business has got a DNA. Every business has got their own values, their set of values, what you need to do is whenever you hire people in, you want to explain to them what your values are. This is who we are, okay? This is, this is what we take a bullet for. This is what is most important at our business. And when you begin to talk about those values, then what you'll do is you challenge them to live out those values. The next statement that you've got is to challenge and inspire employees to live out the values and become DNA carriers. And so as people come to your organization, they're not just a, uh, an employee of, of, of ABC Company, but they represent the values of that company. They embody the values of that company. You want them to be DNA carriers so that uh, as they go throughout and they interact with their customers or interact with other people, that they just, the people just sense that DNA. 
And, and we've got some things in our church that are part of our DNA. And you saw as Jeremy uh, prayed over here. They say if you cut us, we bleed missions. And we believe that. We believe that ministry does not just take a place inside this church. It goes outside the walls of this church. And not just in this community, but in the downtown Birmingham and to all North America and to all around the world. And so that's a part of who we are. It's part of our DNA. And, and so when people come in, we talk to them about that and say, this is important. Uh, every pursuit with excellence, that's a part of our DNA. We're not perfect, but we try to do everything as well as we can. Every generation together, we are a multi-generational church. And so we love to do things from the youngest to the oldest, and we bring them together. Things like this at Power Lunch, you got all different ages here. And so you take those values and you communicate to your people. And so let them be DNA carriers for you. Okay. Now, number five, when you begin to get together in your work, you come to this statement, that is no 11th hour surprises, please. <laughs> 11th hour surprise, all right? Somebody tell me, what does that sound mean to you when you hear somebody say an 11th hour surprise? What does that communicate? What do you think? That's right. <laughs> and, and what happens is, is that something happens in your work, some problem, it's been simmering for weeks, maybe months, and then all of a sudden, right before it's all getting ready to, to you're getting ready to go into a meeting, the person comes to you and says, oh, yeah, by the way, <laughs> we are, we, we've overspent the budget by about $63,000. I thought you might want to know that before you walk in to meet with the board over here. That's the 11th hour surprise. Now, what 11th hour surprise means is that you as a leader quickly go into reactive mode and you're a fireman and you're having to put out this, this fire. And yet, if they had told you something earlier, you could have dealt with it in a better, less stressful means. The statement that um, Bill Heibel said was this, if you see something leaving the trend line, I want to know within days of the departure. If you see something leaving the trend line, I want to know within days of the departure. That means that when you see a problem begin to brew, you tell me quickly, don't throw some 11th hour surprise on me, okay? Now, this is an axiom right here. You could walk out of here back into your business and just begin to make this a part of your conversation. No 11th hour surprises and begin to talk to your people, and they would know that. And just as you get in discussions, just say again, just want to remind you, well, no 11th hour surprises. If there's a problem happening, don't bury it. Tell me, okay? Let me know up front, and we can begin to deal with this. I don't need to find this out after, after the train's left the station for a long time, okay? Number six is this. We got to do this together. Now, this is just a phrasing you could do, and what this means is that we got to do this together. Uh, that, that's not bad English. We got to do this together. It means that when it's over, you get to bring your whole team together, put your arms around them and says, let me just tell you what we accomplished. We did this, 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 and guess what? We got to do this together. That's the thing that's so fun about being a part of an organization is that you build those relationships and you're not out there as a lone ranger. Even he had Tonto. And after they wiped out a bunch of people and saved the town, they get to look at each other and said, hey, Tonto, Kimasabi, we did this together. Yeah, we got to do this together. And see, that's, that's the joy of being a part of an organization. And so what you want to do is, as a leader of that organization is to build that. You want to build that oneness in your team. And when y'all complete some things, you just kind of put your arms around each other and talk about the victory and then remind them, guess what? We got to do this together. We got to do this together. And sometimes the intensity of the fight makes it even more enjoyable. 
And there's some battles I know I have fought when I was in the business world and as, as pastor of two different churches where you took on some incredible battles. And, but you had this strong staff with you or, or strong salespeople with us over there in, in the AT&T. And when we did these together and we won the battle, it was so great to pull everybody together and said, I know we bonded, gotten closer because of this. And what's the great thing about it is that we did this together. And these are the things that we accomplished. So do this together. Every time you get an interview of an athlete who retired, it's amazing. I think I've heard tons of interviews. And they say, what do you miss the most? They say, I don't miss the practices. Um, you know, I don't miss the travel. And then some say, I don't really miss the games. But the one thing they miss is what? They miss being with their team. They miss the locker room. They miss the dugout. They said, we just miss the locker room. Because we were together trying to achieve a goal. And the best part about it was that we got to do it together. Okay? Number seven, know who's driving. Know who's driving. You say, what does that mean? It's just a good phrase for you to keep in mind on this question here. Before every meeting, ask who's driving the meeting. All right? Before every meeting, ask who's driving the meeting. All right? Who is the person that's in charge of this meeting? Who's the person that's got responsibility for the agenda to be completed, uh, for the one to keep the energy going in the meeting, to keep everything moving forward? Who's the one to make sure that the slow processors get pulled in? Who's the one to make sure that the quick talkers are quieted down? Who is the one that does all that? Just make certain on there. And um, a suggestion with that, because some of you may say, well, I lead all the meetings. This may be a good time for you to let someone else lead a meeting. That's how they develop leadership is for you to have a meeting and then say, I'm not going to lead it. i tell you what, I'm going to get you to lead this meeting. You just get to sit back and observe and watch how they develop, okay? Number eight. Uh, before you get to eight, ah, don't show it. Thank you very much. Here's a poll. Are you ready? Somebody comes up to you and they say, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Has anybody ever, ever said that to you? All right. When they say, I've got good news, I've got bad news, which one do you hear first? How many, how many of you say you want to hear the bad news first? Raise your hand. Okay, put your hands down. How many say, I want to hear the good news first? Raise your hand. Ah, see, we got both good and bad. Now, I'm going to give you this in a business context, and this is the statement. Number eight is this. Deliver the bad news first, all right? <laughs> all right? And don't get upset if you're good news people. If you say you like to get it first, let me just explain to you the reason why. If you come to a meeting and you've got two bad things and three good things, it's better to go on and get the bad things out first and say, here's the bad news, and then you close out with the good news. Because when the people leave the meeting, you want to leave on a high. You want to leave on a W. You want to leave on some motivation to good. The last thing you want to do is to talk about all these good things and then say, okay, now, before we leave, let me give you the gory details about some bad stuff. Oh, my gosh. And then you drag through it how terrible everything is, and you say, that's the bad news. Okay, we're out of here. Have a good day. Well, everybody's just walking out, and that's all they remember. So just to keep in mind... Let's go bad news first, and then we got good news. All right, here we go. Number nine, how are you doing really? How are you doing really? Now, if I went by your table and I came and shook your hand, I said, how are you doing? What's your first response? Great or fine. <laughs> we got great or fine. Great, doing great. I'm fine. Everybody said great. You're really not doing great, are you? Everybody said fine. You're really not, not doing fine. Some of you, but not all of you. And so a good thing to keep in mind as a leader is when you pull your team together, take 
just a few moments at the very beginning and say, we all look nice here. We all got great smiles. We're all dressed up. We're doing really well here. Um, but can we just take just a couple moments? And I just want to ask this question. How are you doing really? And just for a minute, just give me an update. And it gives someone an opportunity to sit there and say, well, just to be, be honest with you, school started back up, and uh, we think that our sixth graders got some learning challenges, and, um, and he's already struggling two weeks in, and we're just trying to figure out what steps we got to take. Good to know that. All right? Now, if you're in a Christian organization or, I mean, if you're a believer, you don't have to be in a Christian organization, uh, but if you're a believer and someone shares that, it's a great time to say, let's just pray for you, and you just pray for that person. But for you, just in your business, whether you're a believer or not a believer, it's just good to find out what's going on and allow each person just really quick just to share something and say, okay, good, glad we got that out. We're going to be thinking about it. You make a note of it, and along the way, ask them about it the next day or the next day and say, how's that coming along, okay? How are you doing, really? Here's a statement. When you work to create an atmosphere of genuine community, you will keep your hearts tender toward each other. When you work to create an atmosphere of genuine community, you'll keep your hearts tender toward each other. And last is this. And that is the speed of the leader is the speed of the team. Speed of the leader is speed of the team. The two most powerful leadership phrase that Jesus ever uttered was two words, and it was follow me follow me. And when he had his, um, had the people he called to be his disciples, when he met them, he just said, follow me. And what follow me means, take the steps that I take, imitate me, watch what I do and do what I do. I want you to follow me. This should be the same thing in your business. If you're the leader, when someone's hired in your company and say, how much joy should I have in my work? Observe what the leader says. How hard should I work? Observe the leader on there. How determined should I be in my job? Observe the leader. How much credit should I give others when good ideas work? Observe the leader. How gracious should I be to my peers? Observe the leader. How quick should I be able to admit my mistakes? Observe the leader. How much faith should I have? Observe the leader. And every time they ask these questions, they should be able to look to the leader and say, this is who I want to follow. And so if you're opportunity to be a leader, you just need to understand that the speed of the leader is the speed of the team, and they will follow your lead on there. The final statement is this. Leaders must never expect from others anything more than they're willing to deliver themselves. Leaders must never expect from others anything more than they're willing to deliver for themselves. And so for you as a leader, if you keep this in mind and say, I, I don't want to ask my people to do something I'm not willing to do, and my people want to understand what sacrifice is, you need to model it. People want to understand how to handle relationships there, you need to model that. Follow me is what leaders should be able to say. When Jesus said that, he set the tone for his ministry and says, follow me. And, uh, and when people say, I want to know what God looks like, uh, show us who the Father is. Jesus says, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And you want to know what God is like? Listen to the things I've taught you and follow the steps that I've taken. And when he says, follow me, he then told his followers midway through his ministry. And he says, you know what you need to do? You deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself, put yourself aside 
take up your cross, willingness to sacrifice, and follow me. And so they said, okay. Well, if they followed him, followed him, they would have followed him all the way up to uh, Mount Calvary to where he was crucified on a cross, and he gave his life to pay the penalty for all of our sins and to give us an opportunity to come in a right relationship with God. And then three days later was raised from the dead. And when God raised him from the dead, he conquered sin, conquered death, and gave us the opportunity to have eternal life and an opportunity to be adopted in the family of God and live as a child of God to where every day we can get up and say, okay, Lord, I want to follow you and I want to imitate you. And when you do that, then all of a sudden you're living a life in which God has created you for. And that's, that's pretty exciting stuff, okay? Some good leadership axioms. Take these with you. Uh, hope you can take at least one or two of them, apply them into your work, and go change your work and change the world, okay? Y'all have a great day. Look forward to seeing you next month.